So, okay, like right now, for example, the Hadians need to come to America. But some people are all, what about the strain on our resources? And it's like, when I had this garden party for my father's birthday, right? People came that, like, did not RSVP. So I was, like, totally bugging. I had to haul ass to the kitchen, squish in extra place settings, and, like, people were on mismatched chairs and all. But by the end of the day, it was like, the more, the merrier. And so, if the government could just get to the kitchen, rearrange some things, we could certainly party with the Hadians. Wow. You guys talk like grown-ups. Oh, well, this is a really good school. That is so exciting. You know, it's really cool. Just, you know, everybody talks about Gerard because he's just kind of a creative genius and I love him. Genuinely, like the other day I was sitting in the living room and my boyfriend comes in and I was just staring at a picture of Gerard dressed as Joan of Arc. (laughs) And he goes, the other man. I was like, yeah. (laughs) He just like gets it. He's just an incredible artist and person and he's just really creative and cool. But what people don't really give MCR credit for is that Ray comes in with like, insane chops of being like a metal mm-hmm. guitarist and then you got Frank who just was just his family were all jazz musicians and he is really mm-hmm. into punk music so it's like a right. lot of different influences all put together it's just like amazing and Mikey you know he's just Gerard's yeah, brother he's, he's brother <laughs> yeah <laughs> Hey everyone, I'm sorry, but it's time to listen to a bad podcast. What? As if. (laughs) Just kidding. It's time to listen to a good podcast, specifically this podcast. Probably should have known better. Celebrating comedy that has aged very poorly. My name is Tony Ginocchio. I am joined as always by my dear friend, uh, a woman who has never shied away from telling me the hard truths, like how I'm a virgin who can't drive. It's Nadia Vasquez. Oh my God, I'm totally bugging. I'm bugging because you yeah. called me a woman and I still feel very much like I'm 11. <laughs> Do you I think, we, think we've had this exact conversation before? I, I, but... You keep calling me a woman. I am. I guess I am, but I just haven't accepted it. <laughs> Uh, folks, it's good to be back. We hope you're enjoying the new season. Uh, we are, uh, look, we're, we're going back to high school, uh, for this one. And this time, instead of disguising ourselves as children and going back to high school, we are going back as children wearing extremely cool, cooler clothes than anything I have ever owned in my life. Um, and we are watching, uh, one of the hallmarks of, uh, the teen movie genre. And that is clueless from 1995, uh, directed by Amy Heckerling. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this based on the novel by Jane Austen, uh, starring Alicia Silverstone, Stacey Dash, Paul Rudd, Brittany Murphy, Wallace Shawn, and uh, as Miss Geist, an actress with my favorite name of all time, Twink Kaplan. Oh! Uh, <laughs> um, I wonder if Amy she knows Heckerl- who else is named a twink. <laughs> Amy Amy Heckerling, uh, before this movie came out, would probably have been considered one of the most successful female directors of all time. And then after this movie came out, would have been considered definitely the single most successful female director of all time. 
Um, so a, a movie that uh, certainly was a huge success at the box office, was a, a decent success critically, and uh, has had kind of a lasting impact, I think, on this genre of film. And, and Nadia, this was your pick, right? Mm-hmm. And what, what led you to this pick? I'm kind of curious. I watched it a lot as a child, and I wanted to see how I would feel about it as an adult. And I feel very differently. <laughs> that That's so interesting, because this was the first time I saw it. Oh, that's so exciting! With fresh eyes. How did you feel? You know, I would say, for the most part, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it's really um, good for a movie that has really no plot. Yeah, I mean, that that's my one critique, is this... And, you know, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which was also a heckerling uh, movie... Um, also is like really loose in terms of its plot i mean so i think it's you know it doesn't have much of a plot but it's very enjoyable and the reason it's enjoyable is i think a combination of like alicia silverstone who you know fucking nails it right Uh, she's a star absolutely outstanding outstanding performance um and but it's not just her performance it's also the way that that character is written Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. um because there is a version of this movie where Cher Horowitz is mean or yes. is a bitch. Yes. And that movie would be terrible. But in this movie, which is much better, she's nice. She's very nice and she does a lot of things for great people. And just Alicia Silverstone's just so charming. She is. She's really wonderful. So I learned that Reese Witherspoon went out for this role too. Oh. Ooh. It's like a... No, I don't think she could have done it. She could do Elle Woods, but she really? can't do Cher. Because I feel, I feel like Elle Woods is pretty close to this. Uh, okay, Elle Woods has a sweetness to her and an innocence to her, but she doesn't have the edge until the end of the movie. Okay. But Cher okay. absolutely has the edge because she's gone through a lot. She lost her mom. She has to take care of the family. She kind of has a little more responsibility put on her than Elle, who I think is a little spoiled in a different way. You know, I think that's a that's a good point. The other thing about Cher is um she's clearly a little bit smarter than she acts. Yes. Oh, um, her vocabulary is incredible. And- Yes, she's clearly a little bit smarter than she acts, and um, and there are a couple times when it comes out, like when she corrects, um, uh, I forget her name, but he, she corrects like Paul Rudd's uh, girlfriend on the um, Polonius line mm. from Hamlet <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, so there is like Cher Horowitz is a great character, yes, um, and you know you can definitely watch her for 90 minutes even if she's just kind of in like six different stories that are each 15 minutes long (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, yeah she's just got she care alicia silverstone carries it in such a really like elegant way for someone so young i don't think a lot mm -hmm. of a lot of younger actresses can could pull this off today yeah and, and this was like her second big role like she had not done a lot before this either she also hasn't done a ton after this I know. but what did she do before <laughs> uh she did the crush which was a um drama where she plays a teen who tries to seduce carrie elwis oh okay i've never heard of that oops yeah. sorry alicia yeah, i know it, that she's a PETA spokesperson that's kind of all i know yeah yeah, it's not very good. Again, I'm referring to the crush and not PETA, although PETA is also not very good. <laughs> so. Oh, in theory, they would be great, but in practice, they are not. 
Which is kind of like uh, the plot of this movie. <laughs> exactly. So there's plenty of there's plenty of bright spots here. There's plenty of memorable lines. Um, you know, Amy Heckerling did a lot of work to basically embed herself with high school students in Beverly Hills um, to kind of learn how they talked and what their mannerisms were. A lot of that comes through in the dialogue throughout the film, and especially Silverstone's performance. One of the things Amy Heckerling calls out is like, these girls are just in a constant state of brushing their hair or otherwise <laughs> grooming themselves mm-hmm. um which alicia silverstone is doing all the time um and uh you know it's it's i i really enjoyed it um and also paul rudd is 11 years old in this movie i know he's so great and so hot <laughs> <laughs> and so he's not really 11 listeners so it's okay that nadia said that oh yeah but, yeah he's like definitely in his yeah. 20s please oh god yeah I guess, Nadia, my question for you is, so how did you feel when you were a kid watching this and what is different? Uh, I think the wisdom of being older and having dated and had terrible boyfriends. Like, I think when I watched way back in the day, I was rooting for her to get with Elton. And when Elton uh, hits on Cher, I felt so betrayed. And I was just like, this is terrible. But as an adult, I was just like, just go for the skateboard guy. He clearly loves you. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there was a little bit of that. Um, the the clothes were really fun to revisit because I think they never really went out of style. This is a very timeless uh, I mean, fashion. That's, that's what's so interesting to me is like they really commit hard to this being 1995. And yet it, it, like it's. It does not really feel like the like old. Doesn't no. feel like it's aged. Yeah, I mean, they all kind of dress the way that we dressed, and then they all kind of dress the way that Gen Z dresses. And I'm like, how mm-hmm. did they do? I don't know how they pulled that off. It might yeah. very likely be because it was yeah. just very expensive designer clothes, and that stuff never really goes out of style. So that might be it. Yeah. Um, but the, I do the wear cast the was also I do great. wear the the Stacy Dash top hat. I wear that. <laughs> It's so cute. The other thing that was really uh, fun to revisit were the like stressful moments because as a kid, mm-hmm. when like they drove on the freeway and were freaking out, like that used to really, really yes. stress me out as a kid. And I'm like, I do this every day. Like I get now why they're yeah. freaked out. This is awful. <laughs> so there was that, and the the scene where, um, oh, that where uh, Ty and Cher have it out about Josh and she's like you're a virgin yes. that can't drive I didn't know what a virgin was as a kid so I now I'm like you oh that's seen... really brutal <laughs> you hadn't seen Hocus Pocus yet or like what I, I hadn't watched I didn't watch Hocus Pocus till I was like 20 something oh yeah that's probably for the best um, Yeah, didn't yeah, you listen to our episode <laughs> <laughs> you're a virgin who can't drive pretty devastating own yeah uh, but <laughs> Yeah. by Brittany Murphy. I think the the thing, I, you know, I think that's all really good. I didn't really think about the freeway scene that much, but that's a really good point is that is like, I think about the first time I drove on the highway and that is like a terrifying thing to do. It's so scary. When you are driving, yeah, for the first time. And then I really appreciated that the message of the film appears to be that everyone who was into the mid-90s swing revival is literally gay. oh that's the other thing as a kid i didn't understand that this kid christian was gay i was just like he reminds me of my mom's friend (laughs) 
who was the gay guy. <laughs> but it like it didn't it didn't compute in my mind. And then now I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, it was obvious since the start. I mean, look at like he he dressed like a big bad voodoo daddy. Like it was yes, clear. Yes, exactly. He was like, uh, I want to be uh, James Dean, but femme. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it is, and and obviously they like signal that very heavily. We'll we'll talk about Christian, who's the the gay swing revival man in a minute, but they do signal it very heavily that he's gay, and it's all going over Cher's head. Um, it is funny that you bring it up because, like, it, it's. As some of our listeners may know, I have a hobby right now where I'm reading a lot of children's books and writing about them. Yes. And uh, with uh, some of them, they have plot twists at the end where when you read them as a child, it's really stunning. And then when you read them as, a, as an adult, and the example I, I think of is usually Bridge to Terabithia, which is a very famous children's book in which one of the main characters at the end dies when she's uh, going over a, ro- over a river on a rope swing and the rope swing breaks. Uh, when you read that as a child, it shocks you. Yes. When you read it as an adult, on like every third page... There's a character saying, wow, that rope swing sure looks like it's going to break soon. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. The the, the the gay signaling was really obvious. Just the fact that Josh yeah. was really into her was really obvious. Watching as an adult. I remember yes. back yes. then, it was always so surprising when they got together at the end. Yes. Yeah. Well, Josh great. being the Paul Rudd character. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, sorry. His name um, is Paul. His name is Paul And let's Rudd. not forget... Yeah, let's not forget um, the original short king Wallace Shawn has a oh small role God. in this, and a, and a great role. He's actually. so good; it's so iconic. I do remember. I did, I hadn't watched The Princess Bride. Uh, I watched Clueless first, and then I went to see Christmas. Uh-huh. Uh, the Princess Bride at my friend's house. I was like, "Oh, it's the teacher from Clueless," and she hadn't seen it. And she's like, "What?" And it was like insulting because, yeah, just like, like that's not the teacher from Clueless. It's the guy who says inconceivable. Yeah, but just like uh, most things that women tend to like, this wasn't a super respected movie in in, no, in the community. Yeah, it definitely grew in importance over time Mm -hmm. there's no question um especially as more movies came out and people realized oh this movie is just trying to do what clueless was doing um yes so i mean this is like yeah mean girls one like half of joss whedon's career just in terms of dialogue writing is just trying to ape what happened in clueless Mm um he's been more successful at that in some projects than others um and then less successful at staying faithful to his wife so uh so for those of you that haven't seen the movie, Clueless is an adaptation, uh, albeit a very loose adaptation, of a Jane Austen novel titled Emma. And um, Cher Horowitz, played by Alicia Silverstone, is this very popular, very uh, pretty, very rich uh, high school student in Beverly Hills. Um, but she uh, she just, you know, has a very positive outlook on life, and things just kind of seem to work out for her. Um, and in order to get a better English grade, or speech and debate grade, pardon me, she fixes her teacher, Wallace Shawn, uh, up with another teacher, Twink Kaplan. She kind of plays matchmaker behind the scenes. Uh, and it works, and they're happy, and so she starts saying, well, what other, what other good things can I do for people? And so the rest of the movie is her trying to, um, 
you know, do good things for people, try to find love on her own. Um, notably, you know, Brittany Murphy uh, is a transfer student at the school, and they, they make her over and make her popular, and it kind of starts blowing up in Alicia Silverstone's face, and eventually she uh, ends up falling in love with her stepbrother, Paul Rudd, like in a porno. <laughs> and so... Oh, no, it's true! <laughs> <laughs> do you think that the do you think that the porno started to do it because of Clueless or was that existing way before? I uh I can't pretend to be an expert on porno <laughs> trends, particularly <laughs> from when I was 7 years old. No! <laughs> so, uh I'm going to say pass uh on that one. Okay. Uh, cool. But uh, before we get into the details uh, of the movie, uh, 1995, Nadia, uh, refresh my memory. Have we done this year before? We've done it four times. We did uh, okay. once <laughs> once for While You Were Sleeping. We did it for the SNL season for um, Stuart Says' Family and a couple of oh, other. Oh, sure. Our oh, favorite uh, movie. Yeah. Man of the House. We did a Disney uh, throwback one. Okay. And I forgot the fourth one. So I was just like, what am I going to do? Because we've covered this year four times why not just go into the former current events of paul rudd so okay we're, fair we're, enough we're gonna do a paul rudd biography so buckle okay. up <laughs> um okay. i just want to say before you before you get started nadia i just want to look at you and say hey look at us look at us who'd have thought look at us. <laughs> not me <laughs> uh okay so Paul Rudd is uh, part of a family of Ashkenazi Jews who immigrated from Poland and Russia to England, and they changed their name from Rudnitsky to Rudd. And I think I have figured out why he, uh, he doesn't age. Apparently, his parents are second cousins. So that's... Oh, really? Mm-hmm, yeah. So uh, he was... His parents moved to New Jersey, which is the birthplace of legendary rock band My Chemical Romance, incidentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he he studied at uh, the American Academy of Dramatic Arts here in Los Angeles with uh, Matthew Lillard, who is also in his class. And while he was attending acting school, he worked as a DJ at Bar Mitzvahs, which I can totally imagine. He's yes. very amazing. So he also uh, worked a variety of odd jobs when he was doing his acting thing, including glazing hams at the Holiday Ham Company in Overland Park, which I think is very funny. Uh, his first ever professional acting job was a Nintendo commercial, and then he got a drama called Sisters. But in order for him to get time off to do Clueless, which he clearly wanted to do because it was going to be a huge hit he had to quit that job which caused a little bit of drama uh with the people at the uh network so he went into his publicist's office just to kind of smooth things over and Mm -hmm. actually fell in love with the receptionist who became his wife that he's still currently married to which i think is very sweet oh Good for them. Yeah. Um, he also starred as Adam in the original London production of Neil LeBute's The Shape of Things. I don't know if anyone knows this. It's great. Um, he was he uh, he was in that role off Broadway and then they made it into a movie. And then he received his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame on July 1st, 2015. And he said um, about the star, I remember being a kid and walking this boulevard and reading the names and thinking about What's or thinking what so many other millions of people thought about, which is, you know, who's that? Which is sweet. He's very sweet. Uh, he also played Mike Hannigan on Friends, which was a really big deal yes. because he essentially became the seventh friend. 
because originally Phoebe was supposed to end up with Joey Tribbiani, but Matt LeBlanc had uh, secured a spinoff for the character Joey, and they still wanted to give mm-hmm. Phoebe her happily ever after. And like, who wouldn't think of casting Paul Rudd? Like, sure, s- so charming and hot. Um, anyway. In 2014, he and fellow actor Jeffrey Dean Morgan are, uh, mm-hmm. became co-owners of Samuel's Sweet Shop in Rhinebeck, New York, uh, just to save the store because it belonged to a friend of theirs. So he's a good guy. He does good things. He- I, I have heard uh, anecdotes that people have told from when they like waited on him and stuff like that, and they say he is a, he is a lovely, lovely person. Couldn't this totally have just gone in the other direction and he would have been like a huge dick? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's just lovely. Um, the other thing about him is that now he's starring in and in the MCU as Ant Man, so he really did sell out a little bit, but I respect <laughs> it because the first Ant Man is really good because he wrote it with Adam McKay and Edgar Wright, which is pretty great. Yes. I haven't seen the second yes. one because I'm trying to avoid that kind of feeling that comes over me when I watch those movies but I'm really happy for him I know that we do good for them at the end but I'm just gonna do it myself now Paul Rudd good for you good for you I mean he had obviously in the in the mid to late 2000s had that string of all those Apatow films right Mm -hmm. and he's in uh one of my favorite Tim and Eric sketches uh which I'll probably send you later (laughs) Nadia which is the celery man uh sketch is that the one where he's (laughs) dancing in the gray suit or is that a different one Yes, yes, no, it's that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, he, everything he touches is so funny, and I think it's just because, similar to Cher as a character, he comes in with a really great optimism and yes. just joy and zest for life, and it's it's infectious, truly. I understand why he's such a big star and why Cher he would is, fall in, in this, love with him. Absolutely, but in this movie, he looks and sounds like a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> And this is, um, he was in Romeo and Juliet as well, but mm-hmm. that was a year later. And it was a, it was a smaller part, too. But um, I just remember seeing him in that, too, and being like, oh, he's a baby. He is a baby. <laughs> he doesn't look any different now. I really am kind of amazed. But, I mean, you know, when you're rich, you can do anything. And your parents are second cousins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I read that on Wikipedia, I was like, oh... I mean, uh, well, I, I was going to say, look at the royal family, but they're all really ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, side note. Just so quick update for our listeners. It was literally the day Queen Elizabeth died that me and Nadia started texting and being like, we should plan season six. <laughs> Do you know, I have had so many arguments with friends where they're like, no, she is not dead. I'm like, she is dead and has been she dead. Is- she has been dead for like a year. But she couldn't <laughs> die on her 69th year of her reign. That would right. have totally right. made things really bad. Uh, in any event. Well, should we um, should we talk about the movie a little bit more? Let's talk about the movie a little bit more because really nothing really happens, but it's so good. It's really fun. It's really a fun time, guys. It's on, actually, at the time we're recording this, it is rolled off of Netflix. So maybe it's somewhere else. I don't know. Look it up, guys. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, uh, there's there's a lot of voiceover mm-hmm. from Alicia Silverstone. But, uh, you know, again, there was a lot of attention paid to how to write her dialogue so that it sounded authentic. It's delivered so well like it is it's just very we're both named after great singers from the past who now do infomercials just everything is just so upbeat and chipper even when it's just 
she's saying the stupidest things. Yeah, you know what's really funny is the first two movies from our season were like, oh yeah, it starts off with narration at the beginning and then completely drops off. But in this one, it's so consistent that it kind of holds your hand through the emotional arc of the character and not the plot. And I think that's why it works. It works. It works, guys. I don't normally like movies that don't have strong plots. This one works. Um, and, yeah. And, and the other, the other thing is like, um, uh, she's my friend because we both know what it's like to have people jealous of us. Oh my like God. just some really good lines up front. And I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the name of Stacey Dash's character. Dion after Dion Warwick. Dion, of course. Yes. <laughs> Who's great on Twitter, so, by the way. Yes, she is. She tweeted, um, um, the Spotify Wrapped came out yesterday, and she said, if anyone has me as their top artist, my songs are sad. Just let me know that you're okay. And I thought that was nice. (laughs) That's cute. Dionne Warwick, also the subject of my favorite storyline in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, where Titus gets... (laughs) <laughs> has to abandon his cruise ship and ends up in a lifeboat with Dionne Warwick and eats her. Yeah. Uh, and so... <laughs> <clears throat> anyway. So, uh, anyways. Um, and the other... The, uh, so we get introduced to Cher. We get introduced to her best friend, Dion, who is Stacey Dash. Their clothing, th- I mean, throughout the entire movie, is uh, insanely over the top. And yes. deliberately so. But also leads to some, I think, brilliant shot composition, particularly like when Cher rolls up to the school for the first time, she is walking to school. She is surrounded by all the other students who are wearing all like dark, solid colored clothes. And she is in the bright yellow jacket and skirt combo. And it's just like, it's it's very visually striking and well done. I think. It's great. And you have that little montage at the beginning, which was every girl's dream of having all of her wardrobe cataloged on a computer and a closet that kind of cycles through everything like a dry cleaner. It, it's just so great. Yes. And she's like, style me. And it gives her everything to wear. And it's like, so ahead of your time, girl. I would love this. Except everything I in mean, mine it, would just be black. It is like... I mean, because, like, one of the opening scenes is she goes to her desktop computer with a CRT monitor and, like, has a little paper doll of herself on the computer where she's in, like, 8-bit where she's, like, picking out her clothes. And it's like, haha, that's dated. And then I'm like, that's not really that dated. That's, like, still kind of probably what rich people do right now. Yeah, Yeah, but they have humans who do it instead of computers. They had to kind of downgrade to, like, you know... Yeah, They're to maids. slavery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but you said it. <laughs> and uh, and then we have my other, uh, you know, introduction of my favorite character, Donald Faison in a Kangol cap. <laughs> yes, he is Dion's boyfriend who calls her woman, even though she doesn't like it. But he explains that it's not necessarily misogynistic. He's reclaiming it in a way to show respect because she's not a girl; she's a woman. This is pre Britney Spears. Uh, I think he's so sweet in it because he's wearing braces and he's very clearly a child. This is one of those movies yeah. where they cast uh, ages somewhat appropriately. They're a... Yeah, they cast children as children. Yeah, yeah it's re- it, that's another reason why I think it works. But we forgot to talk about her dad, who we also meet right away. And oh. we see that she takes really good care of him. Uh, she lost her mom in a terrible li- liposuction accident. Uh, <laughs> Kanye. And... Uh, <laughs> We we see that she's kind of oh, had to God. she's had to become she's had to become the woman I'm of the sorry. house. 
that took it that took a dark turn, but he does deserve it. So yeah, fuck that guy. I don't care if he made Anyways, graduation. So, fuck him. Sorry, sorry, Kanye. We're glad your mom is dead. No, <laughs> no, no. But she has taken over being the woman of the house. She takes care of everything. Right. Uh, she takes care of you know throwing the parties, making sure everyone has their lunch, and making sure that her dad, who is this really busy corporate lawyer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, has juice and nutritious. food food and it's very sweet she's uh she, i think one of the reasons why i'm starting to connect the dots here one of the reasons why i really like share is that she does everything it's not it's not necessarily a selflessness because she is very selfish but she has everyone's best interests at heart for the most part yeah i mean again there's a version of this movie where it's like oh my dad never pays attention to me and just walks out but no she's like a character who cares about her family and wants to take care of them and that's like important to what story there is like right so it is it is handled well um and the other thing you know you were talking about donald face on trying to explain himself um calling dion woman and all that really one of many instances in this movie where you have i think a very authentic sounding explanation of a high school student trying to give a smart explanation for something (laughs) and sounding like the biggest dumbass in the world (laughs) (laughs) yes there are a lot of really fun moments of that that are just so endearing that you can't in this not in not in the way that, like, on the internet when people try to do that. It's like, all right, you need right. to relax. It's very <laughs> endearing and sweet, and you really want to be on their side. So you just believe them, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to go along with this. This is sweet. Yeah. I mean, Paul Rudd's character, whom whom we meet uh, pretty soon, Paul Rudd's character is, like, supposed to be, like, a bleeding heart, like, liberal. Like, he's wearing an Amnesty International shirt in the first uh, shot of him. and and But he's also, like, not very good at explaining why he thinks the way he thinks. And uh, he stumbles over his words, and he's awkward and uh, kind of sheepish. And that's all. I mean, and obviously Paul Rudd can sell that very well, but it's, it's all, like, really well done in that respect. Yeah, and I think the best part about... You could say that this movie is really a character study of... Sure uh you know a few people in time but because it's so timeless it could actually be very similar to the kids now like i did feel Look, a, a little bit like it was like this could have been about anybody who's a teenager today in 2022 ha- have have I been kind of like Paul Rudd, but not? I don't look like him, but like I, I talk like Josh does. Yes, I have been a guy in an Amnesty International T-shirt, being like, "We need to care about this more." Um, yes, and, yes so, and you do wear plaid shirts. <laughs> I do wear plaid shirts. So, like, like Larry Doyle, who is a writer for The Simpsons, and he wrote um, "I Love You, Beth Cooper" as well, which has not aged well at all. Terror, like, has, has aged extremely poorly. But he has talked about like it's easy to write stories about high school kids because they're all the same. Doesn't matter what era it is, they always act the same way. You have to change the toys that they have, like you <laughs> yes. change the phones that they have, change the TVs that they have, the kind of car they drive, but the actual relationships and the way they think about things does not change yeah that's totally fair yeah and i think that is why this movie which again has so many indicators in it there's like basically a giant sign in the background of every scene that says it is 1995 (laughs) but it still 
hit. Yeah. So, like we see um, flip phones, Ren and Stimpy, Be- Beavis and yes. Butthead, MTV yes. News, all that stuff. But I think the only difference between this movie and say like She's All That or even Never Been Kissed is that nobody's mean to each other necessarily. Even when Cher is being is kind of trying to get the skateboarder guy away from Ty, who is uh, Brittany mm-hmm. Murphy's character. She was never mean to him. She was just distracting Ty like she was like a cat and she was shining a laser pointer somewhere else. Like it was never insulting. Nobody really insults yes. anyone unless someone's actually being an asshole, which in this case right. it would be Elton. Right. <laughs> the the Jeremy Sisto character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All my homies so... hate Elton. <laughs> So um, there's also a shot of Paul Rudd early on here um, sitting at the pool with a goatee and sunglasses reading Nietzsche, <laughs> which is a different character that I've also been. <laughs> so. Sure has. Well, the first plot point, the first the first plot point is that Cher is not doing well with her grades. And we see right. why she does a whole presentation about uh, how the Haitians or how she calls them the Hadians want to come to America and we should help them. And her example is that uh, she had a party, a garden party for her fa- her father's birthday. And it said RSVP on the invitation, but not everyone RSVP. So she was totally bugging and she had to go into the kitchen, rearrange some food, add chairs and tables. And in the end, she was able to accommodate everyone at the party. So she said the U.S. government should do the exact same thing. Just go back into the kitchen, rearrange some stuff and let the Hadians in. And her teacher... Honestly, I... I... (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. No, he was like dumbfounded by this, but I think she had a good point. I I was going to say, I'm on her side on this one. It's really great. She's not completely dumb. She's just a little out of touch, but it was, it's very sweet. But ultimately though, she gets a bad grade and uh, she's learned from her litigator father that she shouldn't take the first offer of her grades. So she tries to negotiate and she's able to up a lot of her grades except for this speech and debate teacher. And it's because he's a little yeah. personally personally miserable. Yeah. So she she basically um she she's very good at talking her way out of situations, which will become important later. But like she can't talk her way out of this bad grade. So what she ends up doing is she's like, Oh, it, it, basically she figures out this guy needs to get laid, <laughs> so I'm going to fix him up with another teacher. Um and so she fixes him up with Miss Geist. <laughs> and played by twink kaplan and um basically like does a lot of kind of sneaky matchmaking tricks like you know miss geist was talking about you the other day and the thing is it it works yeah um they end up together pretty quickly in the movie and as Cher puts it the entire student body was utterly grateful for the improvement in their grades um, yeah she was getting applauded so, for her matchmaking skills yeah. that's she feels obviously really good about herself because she fixed her grade but also she gets a little bit of that high of i helped someone hmm i, I felt so satisfied i wanted to do more good deeds yeah. uh and so this she this was her first experiment with not being selfish and so um so the next plot line is basically a new student coming to uh bronson alcott high school i love that it's bronson alcott high school i like bronson alcott a lot i got an essay about him coming out soon uh nice so uh so um it's uh it's britney murphy it's ty oh may she rest in peace what a talent rest in peace rest in peace so talented Um, so she's clearly from the east coast or 
Yeah, I think it was like a Brooklyn accent. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, it was in Brooklyn, maybe New Jersey, but yeah, somewhere there. Yeah, somewhere in New England. And she, you know, she doesn't really dress like most of the other girls who are wearing their like knee-high uh, socks and like heels. She's very much kind of in that grunge kind of look. And she's like, listen, mm-hmm. I got to help this girl out. It's it's one thing to be new, but it's another thing to be kind of a scrub. So I'm going to help her out. And Dee is like why are you doing this? We have things, we have more important things to worry about, but Cher is adamant about it and they befriend her. And Ty says, one of the funniest lines, Oh my God, you guys, I've never had straight friends before. (laughs) Which as a kid, I didn't know what that meant. But as an adult, I was like, Oh, that's really good. (laughs) There's also, um, you guys talk like grownups. Well, this is a really good school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and she also, in the lunch line, meets the skateboarding kid. Uh, what's that actor's name? I I don't know. Listen, um, when that guy got a nose job, he had a similar thing with Jennifer Grey. Their careers just kind of went over. I think he was in the Garfield movie and then, like, completely fell off. Uh, Jennifer Grey got Ferris Bueller post-nose job, but, uh, but then nothing else afterwards. You're correct. No, dude. Did she really? I think she had her old nose in Ferris Bueller. Wait, we have to look I, it up. I, I, no, I think if you, I think Dirty Dancing, Old Nose, Ferris Bueller, New Nose. I'm pretty sure. No, dude, she's got her old nose. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Listen, that's a shame. Your nose is perfect. <laughs> if there are any actors out there that are like, I want to get my nose done, don't do it. If you've already been in stuff, because do everyone it. will not I recognize that, you. But also, you don't need I it. Think, I think that's kind of more an 80s 90s thing yeah that's fair. <laughs> um, i feel like that's kind of fun in any event um other line here so britney murphy also l- like nadia is to me britney murphy is the cool friend who smokes weed <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so uh there is a really fun uh line here where she's basically like hey how um where can i score some weed and Alicia Silverstone's like, when is your birthday? She's like, oh, it's in May. My birthday is in April. May I give you some advice as someone who is older than you? <laughs> that is so sweet. She does have a point. She talks about those those burnout kids that, like, smoke on the hill yes. and everything. And it's like, you know, there are more important things to worry about. Like, it's one thing to smoke a doobie at a party, but it's another to just, like, be totally fucked up all day. And I think that's very wise for someone so young to stand for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I think, uh, should we do the party, too? Just the, Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, basically, Cher is like, now we're going to go to this party together, and we're going to um, set you up with Jeremy Sisto's character, Elton. Um, and this is post-makeover. You know, so, we had we did have a, one of yes. many oh, yeah. montages where uh, they cut and dye her hair, and they give her cute outfits and cut all her shirts so she shows her midriff, which is very much in vogue in 2022. Uh, but she's yes. looking really cute. She's getting attention from a lot of boys walking around in school. So, their next uh, step is to go to this party. And there's – is this – when they're going to the party or when they're getting ready for the party, is this where Alicia Silverstone is taking all the – all the photos because I made a note in that scene um, when she's taking photos of Brittany Murphy and she's doing a lot of like great squeaks. Her mannerisms are really good. And it's like, I just, this is where I wrote down, like it's a movie about teens, but the message is not look at these stupid idiots. (laughs) 
Um, yes. It's just like, look, they're kids. Kids are goofy. Like, yes. it's just, it's very loving mm-hmm. uh, in terms of how it talks about these kids. And I, I really appreciated that. Yeah. And it's, it's funny to watch it now where, you know, kids right now are obsessed with like taking selfies and stuff. Because back in the day, mm-hmm. you would go to the mall and do like the very glossy photo shoots with your friends like the sears yeah this the professional yeah yeah and there was like a really weird filter they would put on it so you would look kind of like you were in heaven or something and like she had a camera and was taking group photos of everyone and it's like yeah kids really do like to take pictures of themselves and i don't know what the deal is but now you know they have their phone and their cameras in their pockets but like back then it used to be like okay well you make me a copy of that and it's important to know this because elton asks for a copy of a picture that Cher took of ty so yes for all intents and purposes he's into ty but yeah maybe not maybe not because they go to this party and it's pretty clear that elton the jeremy sisto character is into Cher. yeah but Cher has no like, idea she has no idea. He, she keeps trying to, like, basically grab Ty and slam her into him. <laughs> and meanwhile, Ty is, like, hitting it off with the fucking skater dude, the the stoner. Yeah. Um, and so they, like, they go to this party. Cher keeps doing all the wrong things. They go out to get rides home. And obviously, we knew this was going to happen, a long scene about arguing over the best route to take. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And this is, listen, when you're in the valley and you got to go down to, I'm I'm a valley person. I'm not a Beverly Hills person. When you're in the valley, you got to go down to Beverly Hills. It really does take an hour. So just the fact it that is, they- It is a huge, there is no direct way. It is a huge pain in the it's ass. Like, you could take the freeway, but Jesus Christ, why? You could also go through a canyon, but if you go during a certain hour, you're going to be stuck there for an hour. It's a whole thing. And they just, they're discussing which way to go south of Sunset, Doheny, et cetera, et cetera. It's a really, really great scene. But this is where I think as an adult, I'm getting frustrated that Cher doesn't realize what's happening. But then I remember yeah. as a kid watching it, I had that innocence, too, of like, why would someone have this kind of malicious intent uh, towards right. her? And in in the end, right. he ends up being like a complete creep, and she didn't expect it. Uh, yeah, so she and Cher and uh, Elton end up in in the car going home together, and he makes a move on her, mm. and she yells, "I am not enjoying this experience." <laughs> <laughs> yes, and she does what any teenage girl would do: is she gets out of the car and is like, "No, I'm not getting in." And instead of the guy kind of begging her, he's like, "All right, I'm a huge asshole," and he drives away. Yeah. He drives away, and Cher is just in the middle of nowhere and gets mugged at gunpoint. Uh, yeah, and it's at the that the circus, um, the circus liquor store, which is where Pablito's Tacos are. If anybody has not gone there, you must. It's really good. They also make pizza. They don't clearly. That's not happening in 1995, but now it's good. <laughs> but yeah, she gets held up at gunpoint. She has to ruin her dress by getting on the floor. The interaction with the guy mugging her is really funny. Very funny scene. Like yeah, even he's like, get down on the ground. Uh, this is uh, like this is a dry clean only. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, th- that's the scene that is like honestly the scariest. But it's so funny that it's not threatening, and you know that Cher is going to be okay. And I think that's a really mm-hmm. hard line to walk that they really successfully did. It's like, oh no, our heroine's in trouble. She's fine. It was a funny interaction. But like this could have easily gone. Right way the other direction and it could have oh, become yeah. a super serious very, movie 
Yeah, it could have been very dark. I would, I you know, I would just love an unexpected tonal shift to a murder mystery <laughs> in the middle of Clueless. And then Dion becomes uh, like a Nancy Drew type character. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, wow, that really wasn't what the trailer made it look like. <laughs> uh, and so, um, so you know, basically, things did not go well at the party. No, the girls regroup at the cafe. Brittany Murphy cries as she sings Rolling with the Homies. Yeah, that was the song that played when she got hit in the head with a shoe and he helped her at the party deal with a concussion. Uh, um, We learn that Cher and Dion actually have never had sex. They are virgins. Yeah. Um, And it's sweet the way that Cher says she's like, you know how picky I am about my shoes and they only go on my feet. What a great line. Uh, And so basically coming out of this conversation, Cher starts thinking, okay, is it time for me to find a guy? And this is where we get the Christian storyline. Yes. And I just want to say for the record, the someone being a virgin in this movie is not a bad thing. Whereas in all the other teen movies at the time, it was a very bad thing. You're, you know, I didn't even think about that, and that's a really good point. Thank you. I'm full of them. It's actually very, um, very progressive kind of for for a movie. Yeah. Um, so we get to my favorite storyline, which is Christian. Uh, Christian is a new hot boy in class, um, and Cher immediately begins like her eight point plan for getting a guy to become interested in her, which is send herself flowers and gifts in the middle of class. Yeah, you got to make them jealous. <laughs> <laughs> make them jealous. Draw attention to your mouth. When you pick your clothes, show skin. This reminds guys of being naked. Like, just <laughs> And that so... makes them think of sex. <laughs> and that makes them think of sex. Like, it really funny narration here. It's really uh, cute. And meanwhile, that one. guy is dressing so flamboyantly. She's just really Unbelievably gay from frame one. <laughs> <laughs> but, again, the innocence of someone young, they wouldn't know that. Yeah. Because I didn't know that Um, watching. I I don't know how many times I've seen this as a kid. Like, I could probably (laughs) recite the movie back to front in a similar way to Never Been Kissed. But looking at it now, I'm like, oh, this dude, he's so gay. (laughs) Very very gay. Um, And he's a swing revival guy, which is very funny. That that reference is very much of its time. That's something that has not endured to 2022. (laughs) No, No, guys who are really Uh, into, like, Billie Holiday and, like, Frank Sinatra. Like, we don't get a lot of that anymore. I think, like, classic rock is, like, Gen Z or someone younger listening to, like, MCR or something. They're like, yeah, it's classic rock. It's classic rock. And we're like, okay, well, you need to shut the fuck up. So, um, anyways, so Cher goes on it. Finally, she gets a date with this guy, right? And they go to... You know it's the hottest place. Everybody in Beverly Hills is going to go. The biggest band imaginable <laughs> is playing at the club. You already fucking know who it is. It's the Mighty Mighty Boston's. I had to look it up because I had no idea who they were. Well, yeah, because they're playing their second most famous track oh. in the movie. <laughs> I thought it was they the Big Bad playing... Voodoo Daddies. No, no, no. Um, I think there is a Big Bad Voodoo Daddy cue on the soundtrack. Mm. Um, but, uh, no. So it's, it's the boss tones. They're playing someday, I suppose, which is their second most famous track after the impression that I get. Um, and Tony knows, uh, 
Yeah, and so yeah, I, I was a little bit of a little bit of a Bostonian, and so uh, what's great about this band is I think they have a guy that's just for dancing. Like I don't even think he sings backup. There was just a guy on stage. Oh, he was the one that was doing was... like the skanking. Yeah, he was skanking exactly. Yeah. So, um, so uh, Paul Rudd like follows her there because it's becoming very clear that he is in love with her. Yeah, and he doesn't trust uh, Christian. There's a whole scene where he's just being really obnoxious to her parent or to her dad. I'm sorry, and to uh, kind of disrespectful of the whole idea of like being the responsible kid that's taking his child to somewhere in their car. Right. And so Paul Rudd's like, I don't trust this guy. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go keep an eye on her. Which smart move. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but an unnecessary one, as it <laughs> turns out, because <laughs> Christian starts dancing with like other men while they're at the club, um, and uh, while they're at the Scott Club, uh, and uh, you know, it it kind of doesn't go anywhere. Um, afterwards, later that night, like Alicia Silverstone and Paul Rudd are just hanging out watching Ren and Stimpy together, and I love this exchange here when Cher is just like, "Ren and Stimpy are way existential," and Paul Rudd is like, "Do you have any idea what you're talking about?" And her response is, "No." Do I sound like I do? <laughs> it's um, really cute. The other thing is that Ty also comes along and uh, feels a little out of place because she's not really cool. She's not there with anyone, yes. and uh, Josh. Paul Rudd, he comes and hangs out with her and makes sure that she doesn't feel left out, which shows you a little bit of his character, that he really wants to make hmm. sure everyone feels good in kind of the same way that Cher does? Hmm. hmm. Something in common. Hmm. Hmm. A common interest. <laughs> Uh, so Cher takes another swing at Christian because he's coming over to, I guess it would have been called in these days, VCR and chill. <laughs> uh, and so... Uh, Cher thinks she's going to have sex. Yes. Like, it's very obvious. Virginity um, will be gone. And she, what, he brings uh, some like it hot and sporadicus uh, to watch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what we end up having um, is the first instance ever of someone getting pussy blocked. <laughs> she does it to herself. She, she, uh... She says that part of the allure of a woman is if she bakes. So she unwraps some pre-made cookies and just throws the log onto a pan. Throws the log onto the tray. Put it, puts it in the oven and then forgets about it and burns everything. And he makes a joke. Oh, honey, you cooked. And it was. it's like, girl, if you don't know by now. This is like... You're never going to know. And it's one of the most iconic scenes uh, that you probably will see in every trailer or in every clip of the movie where they're sitting on the bed watching the movie and she plays footsie with him and he kind of starts realizing, oh, no, I think she's into me. And so she kind of tries to do a sexy move and just falls off the bed, just like full on <laughs> slapstick mode. And he's like, no, I got to get out of here. This girl does not know. She's just completely unaware. And so he he bails and she thinks that she totally messed up. She she thinks she screwed up. She thinks something's yes. wrong with her, which like yes. Same. That is when when you fall in love with a gay boy and you're like, "Why doesn't he love me?" It has nothing to do with you. <laughs> it's everything to do with what's in not in your pants. <laughs> Um, and, uh, th this feeling that she has screwed up is going to continue, um, 
in the next couple scenes because um it, well we'll get into it but um Dion and Ty things seem to start working out for them mm-hmm. like really well so Ty I guess almost gets murdered at the mall <laughs> and uh as a result um uh becomes the most popular girl in school mm-hmm yeah, nothing brings um, people into your social circle like a near-death experience, truly. Yeah, so she was she was goofing off at the mall with some guy she didn't know, and they, like, kind of were like, oh, we're going to throw you over the balcony, and then everybody was like, wait, what the fuck? That's actually, like, a fucked-up thing to do. Don't pick her up. Um, and so Ty uh, becomes the most popular girl in school. Dion also has a near-death experience. Oh, yeah. She's getting uh, driving lessons from Donald Faison in braces, and she accidentally gets on the freeway, which in L.A., I don't know. Did it look like the 405 to you or the 10? Uh, I think, oh, it would have had to have been the 405, I think, based on where they were. Which is legitimately the scariest freeway, I think. Worst one. Worst worst one ever. And it was way before they, like, fixed it, quote unquote, fixed it. Yeah, maybe the maybe the 101, but the thing about the 101 is it's usually jammed up enough that you're not going to go that fast. Yeah, they were going hella fast. So they're going and she accidentally yeah. gets on the freeway. She doesn't she we see when she's driving on the street that she's just not good. Like when she wants to turn on her blinkers, the wipers turn on. It's like that kind of gag. But when yeah. you're going on the freeway and every and the old ladies are flipping you off, it's traumatizing. Everyone's screaming. It's a very chaotic scene. Everybody's mad at her. Nightmare scenario. Like I don't like to parallel park if there's a car behind me, right? <laughs> like, I will just be like, well, I guess, Meatball, you're not going to school today. I'm just going to take you back home. <laughs> and so... That's real. That's so real. Anytime I have to go on the freeway, I just look to see if there's another route that I can take where I can avoid it. So I get it. The The scene itself, incredibly stressful, but in the end, it brings Donald Faison and Stacey Dash together and they start making out. Because they survived, and so now Cher's the survive. only virgin left. Yeah, and then we learn from from Cher's voiceover that they fuck after <laughs> this, um, and so <laughs> another. Uh, but the real credit to the director what? that we didn't see young kids in high school like having sex. There was never a sex scene. Yeah, which is it. It is not yeah. not super it, common. Yeah, well, the, the you know, first of all, the PC term is hymenically challenged, right? and secondly, <laughs> another good line, and and, and uh, secondly, yeah, it is like I said, it is like I don't know, I kind of feel the same way I do about Superbad, which is like I don't know, high school kids fucking is not funny to me no high school kids who really want to fuck and somehow just can't figure out how to do it is hilarious. To yes, me. and. Perhaps that says something about what I was doing in high school. Well, I mean, it's just, <laughs> listen, sex is weird and uncomfortable and strange. And like when you're. Sex is just disgusting. Yeah, it's, it's nasty. This is, a, this is an anti-sex <laughs> podcast. Uh, <laughs> but genuinely, when you're a kid, like there's a lot more going on in your body hormonally. And also just you're not, yeah. your brain's not developed. Like, of course, it's going to be a really intense like thing but when they do it in movies Mm -hmm. when they depict it i should say in movies it's never really like graceful it's kind of like you know a 29 year old playing a teenager being hot and it's like that's not how it is that's not what 
any sexes. <laughs> Not even. Yeah, so I, I do appreciate that this is a thing where it's like, okay, her virginity is basically non-existent now, but we didn't see it. More power to you yeah. guys. You guys did that on your own. But the the real blow to... Blow? Silverstone is... It's, <laughs> it's, the, the real thing <laughs> that makes her think she is a failure is her driving test oh she's so distracted by so many things that she totally biffs it she runs into a parked car which i did on the first day i had my license by the way another mcr story yeah so i was (laughs) so i was set i didn't get my license at 17 i wanted to wait a little bit i was set i or 16 Uh i mean i was 17 and i had community service after school so i was driving to the food pantry place where i worked nice flex by the way thanks it was requirement it's not like i was actually <laughs> a share horowitz it was required to graduate and uh she, i was singing to three cheers for sweet revenge track 12 and i turned into the parking spot and singing too loud being distracted i crashed into a parked car of someone who was picking up food from the food pantry Oh, horrible and there was a woman in the back horrible. of the parking lot who was like did you see what you just did i was like yeah i saw it luckily the lady was really nice and her husband owned uh or like worked at like an, an auto mechanics or something so like it totally worked out nice but like i understand when you're distracted and you're 17 yeah it's unsafe nightmare. yeah nightmare <laughs> Hits a parked car. Like basically, her driving instructor makes her stop the test midway through and drives her back because it, it's like you failed. Yeah, she's and like, she did can't I pass? Talk her way out of this one. <laughs> no, she can't. She can't litigate her way through it. <sighs> Anyways, she goes back to her home. She gets into a fight with Brittany Murphy over Paul Rudd. Yeah. Um, because like Cher does not realize that she is in love with her stepbrother. She is. She doesn't realize it yet. Um, but Brittany Murphy's like, yeah, I, I want to fuck your stepbrother. And Cher is just like, no, he's all wrong for you. And it, it, Ty eventually gives her the, the ultimate own, which is, you're what do you know? You're a virgin who can't drive. What a bur- – like, she went from zero to 100, man. That is I mean, rude. Sh- Cher created a fucking monster She here. did. Like, she did. Let's, let's – be honest about what happened this you know you know that the famous tweet the owns in the grinch song are fucking devastating <laughs> it's just that's true this one is worse yeah yeah no that's very true that's very true yeah and it like really devastates share the performance of the immediate reaction to Brittany murphy saying that line like her eyes well up with tears and she just breathes in and says yeah. that was a really harsh tie and like clearly Brittany murphy's character feels really bad but is like also like fuck you and so she dismisses herself yeah. and it sends Cher into a complete spiral she's thinking about all the things yeah. that she's done seemingly for other people but she realizes that she was really kind of doing it to make herself feel better which does that mean that it's a good that she did a good thing? I mean, and so now this movie is like wrestling with the questions of can you truly ever do an altruistic act? So now we're getting into like some some real deep shit here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so she kind of uh, looks at all of the things that she can do, and she realizes the answer has been right in front of her in Miss Geist. Miss Geist has been trying to get them all. She's their history teacher. She's been trying to get them all involved 
in reading up on current events and doing community service and all of that stuff, not required for graduation, but like because they want to. And she's like, all right, I'll do it. And she leads a like a canned food drive. Yeah. For the Pismo Beach disaster relief effort. Yeah. What happened in Um, Pismo? I have no idea because I like a, I know where Pismo Beach is. I'm like I don't think anything bad has ever happened. Yeah, here. I think it was maybe a <laughs> fictional event somewhere like nearby. It's only like three hours away. Okay. Um, but uh, in any event, like what um, what happens here is like she proves to other people that she can be a good person, but she also proves it to herself. Yeah, she goes through her um, closet to get clothes. She goes through the pantry and, like, gets rid of the caviar her dad doesn't like. So the stuff she gives away is so funny. It's just, like, all, like, designer couture <laughs> and, and caviar. Caviar and water crackers. Like, yeah. and then she starts, she gives away her skis and her dad's like, what are you doing? And she's like, listen, they lost everything. Doesn't that also mean sporting equipment? And Josh, like, <laughs> loves that. He, you can see him giggling yeah. and, like, falling for her a little bit. She's actually doing something that he has been trying to get her to do, which is just to care about anyone other but herself. Yes. And so, you know, so the relief effort goes good. And as she... As she's trying to think through things, she starts realizing um, that she actually has caught feelings for Josh, who, again, is her stepbrother like we're in a porno. Yes, but they do say once in the first act and once in the second act, you're not my brother. Your mom was married to my dad, but we are not related. They they could not have been more clear. Yeah, they say that in the pornos, too. Right. (laughs) And so... (laughs) So, so, uh, you know, there's this big, like, internal monologue and revelation scene with, like, a fountain going off in the background where she realizes she loves Josh. Um, But now she doesn't know how to act around him. Yeah. Um, And she actually ends up, like, kind of screwing up the case that he and her dad are working on. But Paul Rudd, this is a conflict that, I feel like they kind of were like, we need five more minutes of film. Like it wasn't, (laughs) wasn't very long or important. It was just like, oh, you screwed up these documents. Ah, well. And then Paul Rudd takes her aside and is like, I still like you. And that's, that's kind of how things resolve. Yeah. He's like, you're beautiful. And she's like, you think I'm beautiful? And then in my head, I'm like, she's 16. And Paul Rudd is like 22. (laughs) Oh God. Isn't he like 19? 20 he might he's in he's in college so i guess it's less um oh ooh, it's say, still not great kiss no it's not great no. it's not my favorite oh no uh, <laughs> as uh, you know i knew i was gonna say this but the most morally correct film we've watched so far has been van wilder <laughs> it's also fantastic what a good movie yeah. i think we yeah. we inadvertently uh, did have a theme this season which is teen movies uh well wait till next week yeah um so <laughs> we're gonna get we're gonna get far far away from that next week and the following week but <laughs> but um we get to you know so the the closing scene of the movie is the wedding between the two teachers it ends with the bouquet toss and all in all like it's about a girl who decides hey you know I like being a good person. I'm going to try to be a good person more. And then goes through, am I really a good person? And then ends with, well, maybe I should try a little harder and that'll make me a good person. And it's funny. So overall, Nadia, I'm going to say delightful. 
it's great. It's it's a movie where nothing really happens, but everything happens. Kind of like when you're a teenager. <laughs> like genuinely. Yeah, that's real that's well put. Yeah. Well put. Nothing really happens, but everything happens because your frontal lobe hasn't <laughs> developed fully, so no, everything is really every- scary. <laughs> Everything matters to you, and none of it should. Exactly. Uh, it's great. It's well acted. I think the writing is good. There, are, I mean, obviously, it in the same way that like Fetch didn't happen or Rufus didn't happen, the slang from this movie absolutely happened. Like people, oh, were, as if happened, as yes. if happened. A lot of a lot of the fashion still is obviously. I mean, yeah. this holds up really well visually. Uh, you know, visually, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah I think uh, maybe the the stepbrother stepsister thing even then was a little controversial, and even more so now that I realize the age difference. But uh, overall, like, it's really good movie. It is, and and, and again, I do. I mean, I think the um, the the writing and the directing, you know, is really well done. But Alicia Silverstone, yeah. man, if if she's not in there holding it together i don't think this is even close to the same movie. do you think drew barrymore could do share uh drew barrymore uh that's a good question i think i don't i don't think it would be as good but i think she could probably pull something do you off. think alicia silverstone could do josie grossy uh yeah backwards and in high heels <laughs> yeah we're this is a very pro alicia silverstone podcast I'm just really impressed. You know, I'm sorry you had to be in the worst Batman movie, Alicia. Oh, but... that was a good Batman. What are you talking about? Are we talking about the same movie? Because I'm talking about the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. It's good because it's bad. What's going on here? You're a part of this podcast. We should do that. Is that a comedy? <laughs> no, it's a comedy. Uh, not an intentional comedy. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> Nadia, um, so... Thank you for suggesting it. Wonderful film. Yay. I enjoyed it. I wouldn't even say it's aged poorly. I think there are some some parts of it that hit different. I think more this is this is one of the ones we watch where it's more about how much we've aged. Yes. Um, yes, yes, yes. But um but I really enjoyed it. So thank you for suggesting it. Um I want to do a good for them. Yes. Uh, if I could. Oh, please. Um and it's a, it's a good for them about the real star of the film, which is of course the mighty mighty Boston's. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Boston's Boston's finest uh, ska band. Um, so here, here's the thing. Um, the Boston's are broken up. Um, they actually broke up pretty recently. Oh, no. They did put out an album. Uh, they put out an album in 2021, though. Um, and uh, I want to talk about one of the tracks on that album, uh, specifically the one where they tackled the murder of George Floyd. What? What? Uh, with the power of ska. <laughs> and so... This track, which is real, and you can punch it up whenever you want. Um, I might even cut a sample of it for for the uh, episode. Uh, this track is called uh, The Killing of Georgie Part 3. 
Uh, and no, so, Georgie. Yeah. yeah. So, um, <sighs> this is a story um, that ran in uh, Esquire in May of 2021, titled "The Mighty Mighty Boss Tones Have Reached a Towering Achievement in the Field of No." Uh, and it's written by Dave Holmes. Dave uh, Holmes of MTV News? Uh, yes, I believe MTV. that is. He was a uh, VJ, I'm sorry. Check. Uh, I don't know if it's the same guy, but um, he, in be. any event. So he wrote this. Uh, the video for the movie features Ben Carr, the band's main dancer. So that's the, the guy who was skanking. Uh, uh-huh. Bopping joyfully around the streets of Boston while the song's lyrics appear on walls so that as you are hearing them and thinking no, you can actually read them, confirm that you have heard them correctly, and say out loud, no. <laughs> Quote, we were so close to something that we could all get behind, lead screamer Dickie Barrett screams, raising the question, were we? Which, looking back over the last few years, no. No. And we could have made a difference, but the stars were not aligned. Yeah, a real Mercury in retrograde situation, this whole police brutality thing. (laughs) Right? In the song, George Floyd uh, is referred to here as Georgie, which makes you wonder if he had some kind of pre-existing relationship with the Bostones, which as far as I know, no. Uh, The title, uh, which is, again, The the Killing of Georgie Part 3, seems to call back to Rod Stewart's 1976 single, The Killing of Georgie Parts 1 and 2, which is a song about a gay friend of Rod Stewart's who was murdered by a gang on the streets of New York. Have you heard of this song? No, the situations are not analogous, but the names are the same, and murder is bad, and sometimes you need a gimmick for a subject like this. And that's if you're going to take it on at all, which you should only do if you have asked yourself, should I? Which they didn't, because the answer is no. Oh my god, is that why they broke up? Maybe. When you reach the bridge of this song, you will have noticed that the lyrics have not referenced Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, and you'll wonder whether you have dodged a bullet. The answer is no. (laughs) Quote, I still have a dream rooted in the American dream, Barrett rasps, that one day the nation will rise and live up to its greed. Oh, no. Uh, So, you know, the review uh, continues, and it's like, this song would have voted for Obama a third time if it could. (laughs) This song is the sound inside your head just before your uncle finishes the sentence that begins, I'm the least racist person on earth, but. (laughs) How old are these guys now? Probably like in their 50s, yeah? Yeah. Um, So, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, you made this song bringing Ska to tackle the murder of George Floyd, and (laughs) after that realized you should never make music ever again and stopped. So good for you. (laughs) <laughs> truly horrifying and unexpected uh, i don't anyways, feel good about I'm, that i'm definitely gonna have to uh find a clip of that song for the episode now do you do our friends at common sense media have anything to say about this movie or the mighty mighty boston song about george floyd let me tell you something they did not talk about george floyd but they people really really hate this movie on common sense media no kidding Yeah, there are a lot of people who are like, it's just, it's not okay that she ends up with her brother, which, like, valid, sure. But, like, (laughs) to be so violent about it is really intense. There are actually 
90-something parent reviews that pretty much say the same thing, and 164 kid reviews that I'm pretty sure are just the parents pretending to be kids and talking about this. So I really wanted to find someone who had a good perspective or a different perspective because people really... They were kind of harping on the fact that Cher was selfish, which makes me think that they kind of missed the point. Yeah. Uh, they also were talking about how she got held up at gunpoint, and that was scary. And it's like, okay, sure, if you're like 11, that, that's like that stressful. Scene is very obviously played for comedy. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I think when you watch this movie and you're expecting it to be not... If you're expecting it to be serious and you take it seriously, it's not a funny movie. But if you kind of realize that it's like, this is a silly, cute movie and it's meant to be just enjoyed, then, yeah. like, you'll you'll be fine. And so I, I went through 130 reviews before I saw this one, which I really liked from an adult. They gave it four stars. And they said, quote, your children are going to be fine. Relax. I watched this movie a lot when I was 12 and it didn't harm me in any way. Look, your kid is either going to get it or they won't. Anything that is promiscuous will likely go right over their heads until they rewatch it a few years later. This person is like describing my experience watching it, just so you know. Continuing. But if they do get it, then that's not the film's fault. Likelihood is they probably knew what it meant before they sat down in front of the TV. I've seen so many people complain about how they put virginity in a bad light, and overall it doesn't. Cher makes it clear that she doesn't want to have sex until the time is right when she feels comfortable. She ditches the guys that don't treat her right for someone who does. It promotes good and supportive female friendships. The things the three girls go through are pretty standard for high schoolers. Cher is a good person. The only questionable thing she does is attempting to alter her grades. The only scene I'd caution is in the car after the party. And I think that's totally valid. It is true. The only questionable thing is, is that she really thinks that she doesn't have to work hard and she can just, like, argue her grades. Which, but in because the, she is rich, is technically true. <laughs> it's totally true. And, you know, the real crime that she's committing is that she is the 1%. Yes. But so, otherwise, you know, she's great. We're going to go to Cher Horowitz's house and murder her. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, when the class war happens, we do have to kill her. We her do. and I'm Josh's sorry, kids. I'm, so- <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. Alicia Silverstone, not you. You can stay. You were in Blast from the Past, and that movie's great. But- I love that movie. It makes me really That's- appreciate Pasadena. The Blast from the Past, if you guys haven't seen it, it's on Hulu right now. Brendan Fraser, Alicia Silverstone, just such a delightful romp. Should we watch that for the pod? Uh, I'm not, I mean, I know I'll like it, so that's good. And we got a couple rough ones coming up. Yeah, I think we <laughs> so, might need to. <laughs> so we might, we might do a palate clan. We'll see. But folks, hey, keep listening to see if my brain finally does melt this season. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We've tried so hard to watch things that we actually enjoy because of how hor- har- wait, we tried really hard to do things that we would actually like this season because last season was so harrowing. It took Truly, a year to took a year to get over home sweet home alone (laughs) (laughs) and oh we gotta watch the new uh uh christmas story sequel uh uh, no we're not i know i I refuse (laughs) um any any other final thoughts nadia i think of most teen movies that is one of my favorite genres clueless stands the test of time pretty well and it's also just delightful so, 10 stars from me. Yes, 10 stars from me as well. 
Um, folks, in the meantime, stay tuned. Uh, next couple weeks, we will not be doing some 10-star films. Uh, in the meantime, we are probably should on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please subscribe on whatever podcast app that you use. Leave us a review if you can. Uh, we love you, and we will see you next week. As if! No, wait, we really will. Okay, bye! When I was a young boy, my father took me into the city to see a marching band. He said, son, when you grow up, would you be the savior of the broken, the beaten and the damned? He said, will you defeat them, your demons, and all the non-believers, the plans that they have made? Because one day I'll leave you a phantom to lead you in the summer to join the Sometimes I get the feeling she's watching over me And other times I feel like I should go